Go ahead and get your sermon notes out as we uh, begin in our teaching today. Uh, last, uh, we, we are in More Than Conquerors. We have been through this summer. And uh, by the way, we have new uh, strong and courageous uh, uh, bands today. Uh, we not only have them in white, but we also have them in blue now for some of you that we're looking to color coordinate. All right. So uh, I've given away so many. I'm down to I was down to my last one. And so many times I'm with somebody and they we just talk for a minute. They I say, be strong, and courageous. They look at my right wrist and they say, wow, and I just give it away. So uh, I've done it so many times. So I think we have a couple hundred more back there today. If you would like to continue in this. Uh, Romans 8:37 and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us uh, is our theme but we have moved and looked at this in Romans 8:37 and this a statement for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord and so don't don't get mythical with me don't play this don't get mythical with me when you read this scripture, if you're reading this, what you know is that we're not just talking about I'm more than a conqueror here and there. He's saying that there are other things that are going on in life. And what we see in the scriptures when he says death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. We live in a highly populated universe and it's populated and listen, I'm not going to sensationalize this. I'm not going to play this. Okay, I'm not going to sensationalize it. I, I, uh, I was, uh, years ago, one, I was a youth pastor at a church, and uh, I was working with kids from the city. And as I was working from kids with the inner city, uh, it, was, it was a new thing for me, okay? Because, you know, I'd worked with some kids before. This was my first uh, full-time youth pastoral ministry position. And uh, we were in the Dayton, Ohio area. And uh, I was bringing all kinds of crazy kids in. I mean, how many know kids can be crazy? Anybody know that? And uh, one day the pastor was out of town and we were having this revival meeting with, uh, uh, you know, one of our uh, general executive leaders, Bishop so-and-so, and he was preaching. And as he was preaching on uh, spiritual things, specifically on demonic things, one of the kids that I had brought into the church uh, decided that uh, it would be a good time to streak the congregation. And he did. He came back, he had decorated his face like he was all evil, he had a paper bag over his head, and that's all. And uh, ran down the middle aisle and screamed, Aah! And uh, I was there, and... Uh, you know, every head, when he screamed, everybody looked around and, um, you know, I don't know if you remember those days, but I mean, that was kind of a favorite thing to do. Security, watch the doors right now, okay? And, uh, and, the, and the, the evangelist pointed directly at him and because at the moment that he did that, he was, he, he was speaking on spiritual warfare and when the boy walked in and he said, and I'm talking about things just like that. And uh, the boy ran out the, ran out the room with all the, you know, with uh, uh, elders and ushers chasing him down. And he's pretty fast. And, you know, we had, I had five international buses I was running in order to pick up kids at that church. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? They were school buses, you know, 55 passenger buses. And he had already laid his clothes underneath one, and he had slid under one of those buses, changed his clothes, took out through an apple orchard that was next to the church with, you know, church leaders just trying to chase him down. And uh, he escaped their grasp, uh, but we knew where he lived, and uh, we caught him. And uh, so the, you know, the pastor uh, brought him in and said, you are never allowed to come back on this, in, in this church again. And as a youth pastor, I was troubled. You know, I was just troubled for so many reasons. I felt the struggle because he had come in the door. I felt the struggle because I felt responsibility because that was one of my kids. You get that? And then I felt the struggle. Why are you pointing my kid like that? Saying he's that. He's just being a goofy kid. And then I felt struggle because my pastor said he couldn't come back anymore because honestly, I mean, the offense of what he had done was severe. Well, we're laughing about it still. He had exposed himself to all kinds of people. He had, he had hurt people. It was abusive to do what he did to everyone else. Okay, now I'll just go a step further. It was also demonic. People aren't looking at me now. Some of you are looking at me kind of weird. Like, it, no, that wasn't. That was just crazy kids. No, I'm, what I'm telling you is that the enemy loves to bring confusion to the body of Christ. And he loves to use those specifically that don't believe that warfare is even going on. And, and I've taught you this already. He also loves to use sinful activity as a place to stand. Because when we operate in those sinful activities, it gives them a place to stand. And so what the kid really needed was another plan. And at that time, there was no plan of, of, you know, what are we going to do with the brokenness of this child? There was no plan that just didn't exist. I mean, we were in the early 80s and, and we didn't have systems or things. It was like, don't do that, do this. Anybody remember that? And, you know, how are we going to, what are we going to do for this boy? What are we going to do for this family? But it, it did raise my awareness. Does that make sense to anybody? It just raised my awareness to the brokenness of the world that uh, we live in. I, uh, we have been in Joshua 1 and 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Uh, do not be afraid or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We need to have an understanding that the reason we need to be strong and courageous is because we're going to go places that we need God to go with us. Did you hear that? There are places, in fact, everywhere you go, you need to. But there are places, and Joshua, this is all pointing to spiritual warfare, that you need to know that I'm going with you. Uh, today, I want to continue on this vein. Last week, we talked about overcoming spiritual conflict. I want to talk about taking action, taking spiritual action today. And there, this is such a deep uh, topic Look at 1 John 5.19. I finally settled on this. 1 John 5.19. Uh, we know that we are children of God. You want to read this if you can? We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. So at the beginning of that scripture, you hear this bold statement. You need to hear this. You might need to underline it because while we're, we have other scriptures, there's another scripture that's important 
for you to accept this truth that we are children of God and the whole world that we live in is under the control of the evil one. Did you hear that? We are children of God and the world that we live in is under the control of the evil one. You say, that doesn't fit my theology because you didn't read that. And also because of the control of the evil one that gives us the belief that, no, you know, the evil one's not in control. God just controls everything. Well, evidently there's some truth that you need to have uh, today. So uh, spiritual conflict is the theme of scripture. I told you that last Sunday. I want to tell you again that if you read from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to read the story of spiritual conflict. You don't read a chapter, you don't read a, you don't read a book of the Bible without seeing spiritual conflict. So uh, what I need you to know is that you can, you can be victorious in the conflict with the enemy in the same way you handle other conflict. Anybody ever had struggle handling conflict? It's a theme. Conflict, it's a theme. All right, listen, I could take care of most of your marriages if I could just teach you how to handle conflict. All right? But... You don't know how to handle conflict. I'm not busting on you. I had to learn this. You don't know how to handle conflict. You don't realize that the majority of it is spiritual conflict in the first place. And so when I teach you how to talk with one another, how to converse with one another, how to consider each other, how to listen to one another, hey, you don't know what she's saying to me, Pastor Rick. And then I see the devil. All right? And you don't understand that's what's going on. You said, we just can't talk to each other. Well, if you could first talk to God, you might be able to talk to each other. You would recognize, wait a minute, the enemy's trying to destroy us in our marriage right now. You call on heaven, things would shift. Preach good stuff. So, have you ever felt like even though you were saved, nothing has really changed? Have you ever felt that way? I'm a born-again child of God, but nothing's really seemingly changing in my life. Don't see the miracles of God. Don't see the power of God. Still just, you know, spiritually, emotionally, financially bankrupt. Have you ever felt that way? Nobody really... There's sometimes when I preach, people don't want to say amen, you know. And I get that. It's okay to be quiet right now. It's okay just to swallow that. You know, things are not changing. Things have not changed. Uh... I, uh, in, in 1 John 5, we hear this statement that the world is under the control of the evil one. So let me, let me just toss another question. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? Come on. A, a common answer is this. Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins. How many believe that? He died for the forgiveness of sins. And that's the big one. But I want to tell you this. Jesus wants to do more than forgive you of your sins. What? We just hang our hat right there. And, and I'm forgiven. And, and, you know, that's the final issue. And he says, no. He also wants you to be victorious against the powers of darkness in the world. Amen. You think Jesus just died to forgive me my sins. And, you know, that's good. But he wants to do so much more. I thought some of you might be hungry today, so I brought some snacks. Anybody want a snack? Okay, so. All right. I have apples. Anybody want an apple? All right, come and get an apple. There you go. Got apples for you. Nothing like a... There you go. And give some more to some other people. There you go. There's some apples. There you go. There you go. 
There you go. There you go. Say, pass some apples out there, Jay. All right. Look at that. All right. I don't have enough for everybody. Some of you not picking them. And so they've already been picked, and then I got them from Food Lion. Yolan wants you to throw one. He doesn't want to get up, but he does want you to hand him. Yeah. Boom. All right. Just, you just set them up here in the altar. They'll come get them. All right. So you all looked hungry. So while you eat, while you eat those who have them, let, let me start with some victory, and then we're going to get some answers. We have a great deal of understanding uh, that there is suffering in the world. And I, talk, I, I taught you last week about just the answer that people struggle with, and that is, why is there so much suffering in the world if God is so good? And the reason is that the evil one is impacting this world, and we are living in a world in conflict. So uh, the sex trade. I mean, we've heard on the news of some amazing stories, you know, uh, I won't go into them, but wow. I mean, the things that have happened, the things that people have been involved in. Uh, and when I say the sex trade, I'm talking about men, women, children. Two million boys and girls are daily subjugated to this in our world. And so uh, how do you understand that? I mean, just that statement already. I'm saying the number of people that live in Hampton Roads. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Uh, and, and so how do you understand this? Revelation 18 describes some of this. Uh, Revelation 18, 1 and 3. Uh, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority and the earth was illuminated by a splendor. With a mighty voice, the angel shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit. And then he goes on to say, All the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The king of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Does that tell a story? I mean, the ancient spirit here is called Babylon the Great. It's a description of the presence of evil in the world. And when you read the headlines, then you understand. It almost sounds like that. Actually, human sin is not enough to understand the things that have happened and continue to happen in this world. You say, well, there's a lot of people in sin. Yeah, but there's also powers and principalities and rulers in dark places. And yes, human sin is an issue, but you have this ancient spiritual dynamic in the scripture that makes the world drunk with her sexual perversion. The presence of evil is part of the way we interpret some of these things like terrorism, genocide, things that have happened from Bosnia to Rwanda, East Asia. That's the situations that we find ourselves in. And some of you perhaps know of these. Some of you have done battle in relationship to this. So this is a predatorial spiritual force and it fuels the brokenness in this world. But this was not the original state of mankind. Genesis chapter 1, look at the core idea of ruling and subduing here. God said when he creates man, let us make man in our own image and our own likeness and let let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. Isn't that beautiful? In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and God blessed them and said to them, 
be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. How are those apples? Are they feeling good? You like those? Okay, so, so what I'm saying when I look at this is before the brokenness, before the mayhem, there was a desire and an intention for men and women to operate in authority and to rule and be fruitful and live in holy righteousness. That was before. In Psalm 115 and 16, the Bible says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to man. So earth, you realize that what's going on, earth has been given to us. Did you get that? And you say, well, what's going on to the earth? Well, a lot of what's happening, humanity was created to flourish. Man was given authority and rulership, but something diabolical happened, and we call it the fall of man. In Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from the tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then verse 4 of Genesis 3, the enemy, Satan, we find out that the serpent is Satan. Specifically, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to clarify this a little bit with you for a moment because when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I want you to see what the Lord says. The Lord God comes to them and looks at what they have done and he looks at them and this sounds like something a mother or father would say in verse 13 of Genesis 3. What have you done? What have you done? Look at it. Look at, look at what has just happened. I gave you the earth. I gave you authority to be fruitful, to multiply, to rule. I gave you all the authority. What have you done? And that's what God is saying. Do you realize it? The gravity of what has happened, the knowledge of good and evil, is simply that we broke faith and we decided that we could decide what is good and evil on our own. And you say, oh, no, we never, no, no, whenever, whenever you decide that you are in charge of good and evil, rather than having authority over the world, rather than having the, the ability to walk in righteousness, we decided that we could choose it ourselves. And that's what we do. We decide for ourselves, we name things. We decide when deceit is acceptable. We, can, we, we like to control everything. We believe pride to be a good, good thing. And it shows up in our relate. I'll decide what's good. I'll decide what's right. I'll decide what's wrong for me. Because it's me that's important. It's about me. I love me. And I'll let me do what me want to do. We decided we'd choose for ourselves. And it shows up again in relational brokenness. Here's a good example in concepts such as gender fluidity. 
I'll decide for myself according to how I feel, according to what I think. I'll look around the world and I'll pick this and I'll pick this and I'll pick this and I'll pick this because now what I want to do is what matters. I have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when God said subdue and have dominion, he was talking about government. He's talking about architecture. He's talking about commerce. He's talking about industry. But now in the choice of eating from the, the, the tree of good and evil in the name of control, we have to make a trade. We surrender our gift of life, our gift of abundant life, our gift over the rule of the kingdom of darkness. Adam and Eve looked at some choices, and in conflict, they decided, you, want, they, you decided, like Adam and Eve, you decided that you wanted the ability to choose what was good and evil on your own rather than to trust God. And that's what we're doing today, right? Come on, Christians. Believers in the Lord Jesus, we find ourselves still reaching out for it, living in conflict. It's the concept of I know better than God's word knows. I know better than what God knows, and I will decide for myself. And so we accept the blood of Jesus, and we are forgiven. We are saved, yet nothing has really changed we accept the, the salvation of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus, but we reject the lordship of Jesus. Amen. You see, Satan is fine with your religious salvation and ceremonial baptisms and occasional communions as long as you allow him to be your lord instead of Jesus. He's fine. Go ahead. Go back and let Pastor Rick baptize you. Dedicate all the babies. Come on. Go ahead. Take care of all of that. And let's all have a little religious communion and drink from the cup and eat the bread. As long as all we're doing is going through some religious motions and not saying, no, no, no. I give myself fully over to Jesus, over to the Word of God. I trust Him fully with my life. Ain't getting any amens. Come on. This is the brokenness of the, the human race. You see, we reach for the wrong tree. Amen. And some of us are still eating here today. Amen. Some of us still, well, the fruit tastes good. And it takes care of my appetite and the things that I want to do. Some of you are struggling right now because of the spiritual battle in your heart and in your mind and the things that control you. Even as I preach that, you say, don't you be judging me, Pastor Rick, for the things that I'm doing. That's the Holy Spirit that's churning inside of you right now, saying that the truth is being spoken over your life. And that's the spirits of darkness that have been whispering in your ears since you were a child. Because you didn't just come by this all by yourself. It was generation after generation and now you've decided that tree looks best and what I want it's my menu I get to choose and I want to agree with you you get to choose but when you choose the knowledge of good and evil the evil one controls your life can you hear so God comes into the garden, which is in a state of rebellion in which they had decided, excuse me, they had sided with the evil one. They came under his seduction and his spell. And the entire human race in Adam and Eve break fellowship with God and come under the rule of the evil one. Anybody understand? You getting this? So God says, what have you done? Because this act of rebellion unleashed everything that you are reading in the news today. 
Man had opened Pandora's box and he can no longer live in the garden because he somehow assumed that he could eat of both trees. I'm eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and I'm also eating the tree of life at the same time. Why am I saved and it feels like nothing is going right? Why am I saved and it seems like nothing has changed? Because I think I have my hands on both trees. This is how the prince of darkness wins in the earth. As we read in 1 John 5, 19, when it says, We know we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But then we have to understand, but we also know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding? What? He wants to change our minds? He, yes! He wants to give us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him. He says, you be in me and I'll be in you. I want relationship with you, even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So today, I want you to come to some more understanding of how to overcome. I want us to take spiritual action and I want to send you out of here practicing your overcoming skills. Let me just skip right on down and let me begin uh, by making this statement. One of the things we must do is act on the authority given to us by Jesus. Amen. Come on. Act on the authority given to you by Jesus. Uh, in Isaiah, one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Look at this next place because this is, this is what Jesus reads when he announces his ministry. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a, a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of despair. The scripture's response to the reality of the entire world had come under the bondage and control and the sway and claim of evil. So Jesus announces that he is proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. Uh, in John 12, Jesus also clarifies this prior to his crucifixion. In John 12, verse 31, now is the time for judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Do you see this? Later in John chapter 16, he says this, the prince of this world now stands Condemned. Now, something extraordinary takes place in this intervention of Jesus. As Adam and Eve is the, are the broken and failed man, so Jesus is the perfect man. And, and it is in this action that we get authority back. Somebody praise God for, I got my authority back. Did anybody feel that? I got my, got my authority back. Got my authority back. Look in Philippians as, Jesus, as Paul is urging the church struggling with, and they're struggling with all kinds of division. And he writes in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, Let your mind be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature uh, of, of a servant being made in human likeness. Now keep reading this. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You ready to read this? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So, so what we're seeing here is out of the obedience of Christ, as we make him Lord, we walk in this authority and everything in heaven and on earth will have to bow before the authority of Jesus Christ. So we have Christ through his life of perfect obedience, through the cross and in the resurrection and ascension. We have the undoing of Adam and Eve's choices, and Jesus starts a new revolution of freedom and healing and life. And we have a new revelation in the overthrow of the kingdom of darkness on this earth. But, but look at that part again. Every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Folks, that's a whole lot of bowing going on right there. Anybody see that? A whole lot of bowing. And we, we see it at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Anybody read Matthew 28? You know, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's not what it says. He starts by saying this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So before he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, he said, and obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you. Before he says that, he says, first of all, guys, I want you to understand that I have now been given all authority. And yes, the evil one is in control in this world, but now Jesus has all authority. Jesus, this authority in the spiritual realm and in the kingdoms of this earth has been won by Christ. But, but practically, what does that mean? One of the most vital areas, areas of the believer's authority is his power to successfully stand against the powers of darkness. And some of you don't even know what's going on. I mean, I just woke you up to it last Sunday. Like, What? Just now woke up, now he said, what's he saying? Yeah, some of the junk going on in your home right now is the devil. Do you hear me? It's the devil. And I know you don't, you don't get that. I, you know, I told you last Sunday that sin gives the enemy a place to stand. And we need this understanding. Ephesians 4, 27. Neither give place to the devil is what he said. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And I watch people when they read this. and says, and do not give the devil a foothold. You watch that. Don't tell him, yeah, I got to be angry. You know, that's why you don't let the sun go down while you're angry. He says, no, this is serious. All your unforgiveness and your bitterness and all of that stuff that you're carrying in your relationships right now, just so you know, it don't work and it's motivated by Satan. Amen. It is. Why am I so angry? Because the devil playing with me right now. And he says, when you allow him to play in that area, anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, when you allow him to make you think that you have control over other people because you're mad, he gets a place to come into your life and dance. That's the best dance I know. So. In the sixth chapter of Ephesians, then he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look, notice he doesn't say that God will put the armor on you. He says you need to take your authority and put it on yourself. The word you is the understood subject of these verses. He says, you be strong in the Lord. You put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You take the whole armor of God that you can stand. God has given you the power and the authority to stand against Satan and his destructive works. He's provided the armor, but it is still our our responsibility to stand. James 4 and 7 says, you resist the devil. And I I was looking at it because resist just sounds like you're pulling away. No, I don't want to. That's not what he's saying. The word resist, oppose and stand firm against him. That's the word, okay? Oppose and stand firm against him, and he will flee from you because he realizes that you have authority. When you see things that the devil is doing in your home and in your family and in your life and in your community, oppose the things of the devil, not in your own authority, but in the authority that you have through Jesus Christ. Refuse sin. Refuse godlessness. Rebuke the power of the enemy by your authority. The armor and the weapons are at your disposal. God is there with you to back up his word. But it's all worthless unless you take your position of authority. Am I preaching the truth to anybody in this room? Okay, so one of the things I want you to know, some of the things that you know are godless in your life that you are not overcoming, okay? That's... Good and evil, picking from the wrong tree. Now you've been given authority through the Lord Jesus. You have authority over that darkness. Speak it. Now, I want to say just two more things. Secondly, taking spiritual action is not complicated. (laughs) It's not so complicated. Look at Luke 10, 17. I love this. 72 people, Jesus sent out his disciples, and they returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. So when you see snakes and scorpions, it's not saying that you should handle snakes. <laughs> Praise Jesus. All right. What he is saying is that there are forces that are involved in your life. Do you see that? Rulers. Darkness. He says this, don't be afraid of them because nothing will harm you if you will accept my authority. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So it's more important that you have a relationship with God. But when you have a relationship with God and you're rejoicing in that, then you can walk in the authority of the Lord Jesus. You know, and you, know, you say, I don't know if I believe in this. Come on, watch the movies. There is one theme nearly in every action adventure movie, one thing, and that is things are good. Something's gone wrong, and somebody comes by and sets them right. Right? Uh, Lord of the Rings. Anybody remember the Lord of the Rings? Okay, so uh, Tolkien wrote that. He was a good friend of C.S. Lewis. Okay? He says that he wasn't writing it as an, uh, as an allegory, uh, as some people think. However, his Christian background just explodes you know, when you see Gandalf, remember Gandalf? When you see Gandalf stand in front of the dragon and says, you shall not pass, and he gives his life there. And then later on, if you keep watching, he shows up all in white leading the armies together. You know, you see Aragon, and you see how he is completely committed to, to doing whatever he does to defeat the enemy, and he rises up, and the Lord is, and, excuse me, and, and eventually he is established in a place of, of rulership as king. And then you see 
like Frodo, who is struggling with the ring, you know, and he's got all of these, you know, he's got this little demon falling out. You know, you got that guy, you know, and, and they want, I want to do what I want to do. It's mine. Give me my precious. It's all just, a, it's, it's a statement about what happens in your life. And some of you haven't watched that, those movies, I'm sure. But if you do, you'll understand. It's important that we understand that where we are in the story. And, and I, you know, I love spending, sending out the 72. In Luke 72, I love that. He just says, okay, guys, I'm giving you authority. I want you to go out in my name. And I want, just, just go take care of people. I'm sending you all out. And they come back in the power of the name of Jesus and they say what even demons are subject to us now I wonder what that means all right if you follow what happened with Christ Christ would show up in places and demons would cry out and say have you come to torment us before our time people who are walking in the power of Jesus the enemy already knows who they are and, and they ha- what we don't have anymore is a clear understanding of when the enemy is attacking our home. So if you walk in the authority of the Lord Jesus, you're going to see the enemy flee and lose his hold. But you have to take and walk in the authority of Jesus. Now look at the rest of this verse in Luke 10, 20. At that time, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, said this, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All right? Some of you are too smart to take your authority. You're just too brilliant. You got it all figured out. It's just stuff. It's just life. People are this way. Just too smart. But when you will simplify your understanding and realize that Jesus is the Lord. And if I'll just take the authority of the name of Jesus Christ and the power of Christ and walk in that authority and walk in righteousness, eaten from the right tree, then the devil will be defeated. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, I, I have to finish right now. All right. Or your children will just run in. So... Uh, I'm going to say this last thing, but I want you to stand while I finish this, okay? And that is, you are training for reigning. Okay? You are training for reigning. It's your, in spirit, it's your spiritual inheritance. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul writes to the church and he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all authority, rule and authority, power and dominion. And every title that can be given. Not only in the present age. But also in the one to come. Did you hear that? So Christ has exerted his power, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. Sometimes I wonder why the Lord allows us to go through all the darkness and difficulty. Anybody ever felt that? Like, I thought you kicked the... No, the devil is not destroyed yet. Did you, under, you understand that, don't you? Uh, at the beginning of my pastoral ministry was massive warfare. It's just crazy warfare. And I knew one of the reasons it was so heavy, I know now, looking back on those first, that first decade, 
that it was getting me ready for what's next. Does that make sense to anybody? Allowing this and the other. But here's the reality. You are in training. God's raising you up. Ephesians 2 and 6. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. So take the authority of Christ and stand against the powers of darkness. Jesus didn't just commission us to tell people about Jesus. He said, I've also given you authority. Do you understand that? I want you to tell people about Jesus. Some people can't get past that. But if you're really going to tell people about Jesus, you're going to have to do that in the authority of Jesus Christ. Take his authority. And I I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this ultimate victory. If you simply stay in the position that Jesus just came to forgive us of our sins, then you might still be in bondage yourself. I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I know. But you haven't taken authority. I see Christians all the time walking in captivity. Jesus came to do more than forgive us of our sins. He came to do battle and to release you to do battle as well. One more scripture, Revelation 5. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. Read that last part. And they will reign on the earth. What? What are we going to do? We're going to reign? Our struggle is, I think when I look in Luke's gospel and see that sinning in the 72, I think our struggle is we just don't send people out anymore. So how many want victory in the name of Jesus? How many want that? How many are struggling in some areas of your life? And you know it feels like darkness is controlling some areas. Wave at me. Wave at me. All right? Uh, how many, maybe you're not going through that struggle right now, but you would like to walk in the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus. Anybody? Me? I'm the only one. Okay? So I want some prayer workers to just come and stand up here on the altar with me. Stand up on the altar. Okay? I, I want them to stand, but I want everybody that will... Stand right up on the steps, guys, if you would. Ladies, gentlemen, stand right up here on the steps on the platform. All right? I want everybody that will leave your seats and just come and stand up here on the altar with us. Would you do that? Just come as swiftly as you can. People that need victory, whatever it is, just come and stand. And uh, we're going to dismiss in just a moment. 1046 people are already coming in for the next service. Come on. Squeeze on up here. Come on. Come on, this is, this is battle. Come on. Come on, folks. Come on. Come and stand with me. Come and stand with me. Come on down. All right? Of course, you know, some of you may not want this, so I get that too. Come on. I get it. I understand. All right, now watch this. Come on, squeeze on up. Again, squeeze on in. Squeeze on in on both sides. Look at me. Now look towards me for a moment. Look towards me. All right? I have been given authority as a pastoral leader in your lives, as a shepherd. My authority is not just to make sure there's coffee in the Welcome Center. My authority is given to pass to you so that you will walk in the power that Christ intends for you to walk in. So I, as He has given me authority, speak to you and I say, you have authority 
through the work of Jesus Christ to go into the world and preach the gospel. But you have authority over every power of darkness. You have authority over rulers, over dominions, over powers, things in heaven and things under the earth. You have authority over scorpions and serpents. You have authority no matter how the enemy attacks. You have authority. Do you receive that? Lift up your hands and say, I receive the authority of Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, as you're standing here today, I give you that. Now just receive it. Now I want you to put on the armor of the Lord Jesus. I receive the armor of God. I place it. I take the helmet of salvation. I take the sword of the Spirit. I take the shield of faith. I take the breastplate of righteousness. I cover my feet. My feet are fitted in the preparation of the gospel of peace. I walk in the shalom of God. No weapon formed against me will stand. I will verbally declare when I see the power of darkness to leave. I will walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. My home will be whole. My children will be whole. My place of business will be whole. I walk in the power of the blood of Jesus. Declare him as Lord now. Declare him as Lord. I declare you, Jesus, as Lord in the name of Christ. Now lay your hands on one another's shoulders all around this room. Everybody, lay your hands on one another's shoulders. And I want you to speak victory over each other's lives. Okay? Say it. Say it. And go ahead and be honest. Go ahead and be honest. I speak victory over the life of... I agree. Jesus says if two or three of you agree on anything, it'll be done. So we agree. We are in agreement that we have the authority of Jesus. The enemy is defeated. And we walk in victory. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, give you peace. May you walk in the authority of Christ. Stay and pray. I've got the prayer team up here to lay hands on you, to anoint you with oil. And they'll take their time to do this for as many that choose to stay. We're going to anoint you and pray for you. God bless you all. Embrace one another. Go in the authority of Christ. And come back laughing, joyfully, telling me how the enemy has been defeated. Be dismissed when you choose.